0: Welcome to Shelf Logic, the official podcast of the Maricopa County Library District. Thank you for joining us. My name is Caroline and I'm here today with Tim and we both work at the Litchfield Park Branch Library. Um, on our podcast today, we will be discussing British mystery television series on Hoopla. If you have never used Hoopla before, it is very easy to download and set up on your smartphone, your pad or streaming device. Uh, the mysteries we will be discussing today are Father Brown, Inspector Lindley, and Death in Paradise. Uh, I will warn you, there may be some spoilers. Uh, now I will turn the discussion over to our resident expert on a British mystery television series, my favorite co-worker, Tim.
1: Howdy, Caroline. Hey, Tim. So today we're going to be discussing three mysteries, as you said. Uh, Father Brown, Inspector Lindley, and Death in Paradise. We've selected one episode apiece for each mystery. Uh, with Father Brown, it's episode 10 of the first season. With Inspector Lindley, it's the first episode of the actual first season, which we'll get into more when we go to that episode. And for Death in Paradise, it's also the first episode of the first season. Um, as Caroline said, there will be spoilers. So with that being said, let's jump into Father Brown. So Caroline, Father Brown is a crime-solving priest in 1950s England, And as far as the television show goes. Uh, he's based off the works of G.K. Chesterton.
0: Yes, I have read some of G.K. Chesterton's uh, short stories.
1: And the short stories take place in the 1910s, tens, 19- nineteen teens, I should say. Um, So there's obviously a time difference here. Uh, The episode I selected for Father Brown introduces Father Brown's nemesis, Flambeau. Um, That is why I selected this episode, mainly because it represents the classic sort of British, there's a nemesis to the prime detective, uh, like Moriarty and Sherlock Holmes. Father Brown has his flambeau. Mm -hmm. Uh, So let's go ahead and talk about the episode. What did you think of it?
0: Um, I enjoyed it very much. And I will say that before this episode, I did watch another episode. It was the uh, first in the series. And that kind of gave me a little bit of an idea of um, the village that he lives in and um, showed me what a cozy mystery this is where you have a village fate, and you have all these different characters who are uh, very much a part of the cozy idea where you have the the village gossip. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so that's definitely a major part of Father Brown as far as the TV show goes, is that each episode, and this is... This episode is actually an exception uh, in that it's the introduction to Flambeau, and it's very much about Father Brown and the villain of the episode. Uh, But each episode of Father Brown is very much a local mystery that gets solved, and it's almost always a murder mystery, and it's very much in the cozy genre, which is similar to a modern modern set show that we're going to be talking about later um but father brown i think one of the reasons why it works so well is that father brown deals a lot more with some spiritual aspects
0: yes definitely that's something i wanted to bring up
1: yeah so go ahead
0: um with father brown he he doesn't want to catch the criminals he wants to save their souls and That is kind of touching to me, so that's one of the reasons I like this character. Also, because he is a Catholic priest, he has done a lot of confessionals where he's learned about uh, human nature, and I think that goes into um, how good a detective he is and how he can figure out what's going on and uh, the different motives of uh, the different characters.
1: Yeah, and... The confessional actually plays kind of a pivotal role in this episode. Um, and as we said spoilers at the beginning, yeah. there is a moment where Flambeau confronts Father Brown in the confessional and it he sort of leaves clues for Father Brown to find, uh, almost like a classic antagonist. Mm-hmm. He he doesn't want necessarily to steal the prize so much as he wants to beat Father Brown, and Father Brown wants to save him. So the mystery becomes much more of a game between both Flambeau and Father Brown, and it's it's very uh, I think it's a very good example of hero and nemesis in mystery fiction. Um, And that's one of the reasons why I selected it. That being said, there's also some characters that only appear once or twice in the series, uh, like the Archbishop appears in this episode and plays a pretty pivotal role. But he only appears two more times in the rest of the series. Mm -hmm. So this episode is sort of uh, pulled away from the rest of the series, and it's its own sort of almost bottle episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, You get sort of a taste of the rest of the cast but outside of one or two like Inspector Valentine they don't really play that much of a role.
0: Uh There was one aspect that I wanted to bring up that is not so much in the TV series but is more in the um, Chesterton short stories and that is that the stories have a tendency to have a surreal nature to them and the only things that I really saw in that was just the setting especially with the train and when they get off the train and they're traveling kind of over through the countryside together and this is um, Uh, Father Brown and Flambeau. And that's the only thing I can say is, and I don't know if that would make it kind of like a spiritual journey, but um, that's the only really kind of surreal aspect I could see uh, with the the, um, episode I watched before this. The surreal part was the way that um, the character was killed. Yeah, it's, and that's why the the other one, not the blue cross, the one that we're talking about right now with flambeau, but the other one, uh, the hammer of God, it it's almost makes me laugh. Yeah, yeah, the 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 way that uh, the hammer plays into the role of how the um, person was uh, murdered.
1: Yeah, uh, it's interesting because. Even with the sort of spiritual journey he goes on with Flambeau, Mm -hmm. the show goes out of its way to make sure later on, when Father Brown is explaining what happened to Inspector Valentine, to show you every little thing that was happening logically at the same time. Uh So while the hero and Flambeau are having this tête-à-tête with each other, at the same time there's this subtle mixture of like passing packages back and forth and who's getting ahead of whom and who's winning in the conversation and how much they're noticing about each other which I think is a very good example of dual storytelling where you're having this spiritual journey but then you can look back and Father Brown explains logically what happens each time Mm -hmm. and how he's setting up clues for Valentine to find him even as they're walking along talking. And I think it's a very good example of how, how smart and how clever Father Brown is while how, also showing how compassionate he is. Um, yeah, he's, he's a very, very good charismatic character. Yes. And uh, Mark Williams, who plays Father Brown, really embodies the sense that he just really wants to help somebody. (laughs) Yeah,
0: no, that's the whole idea of the character is he wants to save their souls, he wants to help them. Yeah, You know, you have different um, characters and mysteries where you have like, say, Sherlock Holmes is all about the game. The game's afoot, I'm going to use my brain to figure out what's going on because I get bored if I don't. But with um, Father Brown, it's all about the people, about being compassionate and trying to help the person.
1: And that's not to say like Father Brown doesn't enjoy the gang because he clearly he clearly enjoys the back and forth and stuff. Yeah, that's true. But he's there mainly to help Flambeau because he realizes that Flambeau is essentially calling out to be challenged and wants wants to be saved.
0: Yeah, well, when they're walking along and they're talking and they're having their little um, kind of spiritual talk, even though you're not sure, or maybe Flambeau doesn't understand what's going on. And um, the uh, Father Brown goes, oh, by the way, here is your handkerchief. Because then that, he's just like, I always knew you were Flambeau. Yes.
1: Yeah, and Flambeau had left a monogrammed handkerchief in the uh, Priory before... Uh, at the beginning of the episode. So Father Brown had known the entire time. And I think what's really telling for how the two personalities meet is how they compare what the meaning of Ernest Hemingway's Old Man in the Sea is. Mm -hmm. Where Flambeau believes it's about a man trying to land the biggest catch. And Father Brown believes it's a spiritual journey of a man going out because he has to on a travel and a trial and has to come back from it. So I think that's an interesting uh, dichotomy in and of itself, right in right in one little capsule. So, yeah, that's Father Brown, and it's a very excellent show. I i really really quite enjoy it myself Mm -hmm. Uh, caroline your closing thoughts on it
0: um no i enjoyed it um in fact my husband was watching this one with me and he enjoyed it very much and i think it's probably the spiritual aspects that really got us that made us um interested in the story
1: yeah it definitely stands out especially compared to the other two that we're going to talk about um but yeah father brown i quite enjoy So we're going to carry on with Inspector Lindley. Now, Inspector Lindley, um, we started with episode one of the first season. Now, there was a pilot two-parter that happened before this, which you can also find on Hoopla, called The Great Deliverance. Uh, I rewatched The Great Deliverance and a couple episodes after this in order to really uh, remind myself about Inspector Lindley. But yeah, Caroline, what are your thoughts on Inspector Lindley?
0: Um, So, I did not enjoy Inspector Lindley as much as I did Father Brown. Uh, To me, the character of Inspector Lindley was not as interesting as his sergeant, Sergeant Havers.
1: Yeah, Sergeant Havers is definitely much more of an interesting character in my opinion.
0: Yeah. When she was introduced, I actually thought, is this Lindley? I mean, um, you meet her, she is in a hospital. Her father is um, dying and um, she has conflicting uh, emotions about that. Um, She, At one point, um, she's telling Lindley, don't treat me like a flunky. You know, she's, I I think what it is, is she is more of the middle class or lower income character on the show where from what I can tell from Inspector Lindley, he's more of the person who I think his father might've been a Lord and he he went to the the boys school, the public school that um, the murder happened at and he has a lot of ties with that school, and so I got the idea that maybe he was more upper crust. But um, Havers seemed like this um, woman who was a bit on the haggard side because she was trying to work, but she's trying to take care of her, her elderly parents, and I, I just felt more of a connection with her than I did with Lindley.
1: Yes, so it's established in The Great Deliverance that uh, Lindley is, in fact, a lord. And part of the reason he's partnered with Havers is because they believe that they'll, the upper brass believes that she'll clash with him and eventually punch him, <laughs> and then they could fire her. And oh, they,
0: they're trying to get rid of her. Yes, oh, and man.
1: that's they don't like her very much. Uh, so they're going to put her with this sort of upper crust. And Lindley's not a bad guy, and he's he's a very good detective. But they, they do have clashing personalities and that's part of the reason why is purposeful by the people in charge okay. and they're trying to get her fired. But they do get along and, to an extent mm-hmm. and they work well together. Um, yeah,
0: I, I thought they worked well together but yeah.
1: Havers is definitely much more of a a relatable character. Yes, definitely. How she deals with her parents, uh, her mother has dementia, mm-hmm. and her father is dying. Mm-hmm. And it's never revealed exactly why he's dying or what from. We just start with her in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then at the end of the episode, he dies, and they're alone in the car together, her and Lindley. And it's a very like poignant end to the episode. Yeah. And I thought I thought her story was very good. Mm-hmm. And as far as the actual mystery goes, it's much more procedural than the uh, than Father Brown or the Death in Paradise episode we're going to talk about in a little bit.
0: Yeah, I have to say that halfway through this show, I thought to myself, if I were just watching this, just i turned over to it like it was on uh pbs or something i would have left by the middle of the show i was just not engaged in it
1: yeah it's it's definitely an episode that expects you to like come in and want to sit through like it feels like the episode was designed to be two or the second or third episode in a series, as opposed to the first episode, mm-hmm. because the Great Deliverance, the pilot, was a two-parter that aired, I believe, well before the first episode of the series. So, although I could be wrong about that, um, so yeah, it's it's very much, and even then, the Great Deliverance doesn't do a whole lot more besides introducing you to the characters. Like, it introduces you to Lindley at a wedding, and it introduces you to Havers as somebody who constantly is disliked by the people around her, even though Havers is by far, like, one of the most likable characters. Right, (laughs) exactly. Yeah, Um.
0: and I felt like this was one of those shows where... We plod along, we plod along and then like in the last half hour to 20 minutes this is the mystery and this is what happened we're going to tell it to you and it's like I have to wait through all of this to finally get some action. So that's why I just I was not that
1: interested
0: in, in this mystery series.
1: Yeah, um, it's it's definitely a slow burn mm-hmm. is the, the generous way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> um, that being said, there is there is something notice o- notable about this episode.
0: Yes, it was something that I wrote down and like put exclamation points on my notes, and uh, my I said, it's Henry Cavell. Yes. And he's eighteen years old. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah uh superman and geralt the witcher uh mm-hmm. geralt of rivia himself henry cavill is uh in this as the head boy uh chas i believe was mm-hmm. his name
0: yeah and and he's perfect as the character yes because the character is supposed to be this all-arounder this guy who is the most popular and he's the best at everything and he's handsome and everybody looks up to him so he's good for the part but it was just really surprising to see him.
1: He even has the best coat.
0: Yeah, you Uh, really liked his coat.
1: I did like his coat quite a bit. It's uh, it's a pretty sensational coat in my opinion. (laughs) Uh, Although the character does meet a pretty ignominious end. Uh, And the actual solving of the mystery uh, with all of the different suspects that it lays out It all comes back to something that was sort of said in the beginning where when one character is introduced uh, with Chaz, uh, he walks up to Chaz, Henry Cavill's character in the beginning, and Chaz says uh, I'm smart, but I'm not clever. Now this one, he's clever, but he's not smart. And when you get to the end of the episode, and who the actual villain is the quote then basically is like well they just told us right in the beginning Uh huh. and it's uh i'm a little bit higher on it than caroline but i would definitely say it, it works as the middle part of a season not as a first episode it it's definitely steps along the way as opposed to opening the gate um but yeah, that's, that's Inspector Lindley. So moving on, we have the final episode we're going to talk about, the first episode of Series 1 for Death in Paradise, which is my favorite mystery going right now. Um, and it's my favorite mystery for a number of reasons, but before, we get, before I get into it and gush over it, let's, let's get Caroline's feelings on it.
0: Um, I thought it was a very cute show. Uh, I liked the actor who plays the main role. Uh, Ben Miller. Yeah, Ben Miller. I had seen him in um, a couple of uh, Johnny English uh, movies. So I had seen him before. So he is actually kind of a comic actor. Um, This is definitely a uh, fish out of water uh, show. He is um, very British, very Londoner. He talks at one point about his idea of paradise as being in a pub and having a pint and sitting in his comfy chair and having it like snowing or raining outside instead of where he is, which is in the Caribbean, which most people would think would be paradise.
1: Yes. Uh, And so let's go over the plot of the show. So the plot of the show is that there is a British territory in the Car- Caribbean called San Marie. San Marie has a small police force headed by a British detective. That detective, Charlie Hume, dies at the beginning of the episode, setting a trend for the entire series, and which I'll talk about in a moment. But then you have Richard Poole, played by Ben Miller, flies in and... Uh, he is then thrust in the middle of trying to solve his predecessor's murder while also dealing with the fact that he is a very, very stodgy man who refuses to take off his woolen suit.
0: But he, he thought he had lost his luggage at Heathrow, though.
1: Yes. But I will say, as a spoiler, he refuses to take it off yeah, the rest anyway.
0: of the series. Oh, he does? Yes. Oh, okay. So even if he were to be able to get some Bermuda shorts and a, um, a Hawaiian shirt or whatever, he wouldn't do it.
1: The most he does to connect to somebody during a very emotional episode is he does take off his shoes and socks and sits with her on a beach that is the closest he comes to getting comfortable. (laughs) Uh, He once in the episode, he actually describes missing the feeling of sleet.
0: Yeah, that sounds like him, yeah.
1: Yes, and he's very, very interesting. Now, what I love most about Death in Paradise is that it's been going for nine series now, and all of the actors from the original cast Are gone and their characters are gone, and they've gone for different reasons, and their characters have left for different reasons, and they've been replaced multiple times over. So, every few seasons, you get a whole new slew of characters to get involved into. So, Richard Poole, the character who's uh, the, the main detective for the first two seasons, dies in the first episode of the third season. And, as we said, there were spoilers, so... Yeah. <laughs> uh, and his... Pred- his uh, The next in line uh, to come in is uh, Chris Marshall playing Humphrey Goodman. And he uh, he solves Richard's murder. And then a few seasons later, Humphrey leaves, and he's replaced by Jack Mooney. And then Jack Mooney leaves, and he's replaced by... Uh, the current detective whose name is unfortunately escaping me at this moment (laughs) but it's very much a show that is all about the setting Mm -hmm. and all about the mysteries that can be had there
0: I thought that there was an interesting connection that I saw between um, the episode I watched in Death in Paradise and the episode that I watched in um, Inspector Lindley and that is is I really liked the, the people that they worked with, the, the women that were, like we were talking about, Sergeant Havers and, and Inspector Poole had his assistant, and um, she seemed to be the only one who knew what was going on. She was like the hardest worker. She had a great personality. And then there's a twist.
1: there's a reason why she's the one who knows everything that's going
0: Mm -hmm. on. Right.
1: And in the grand tradition of the show, his detective sergeant is replaced at the end of the episode with Camille Bourdais, who is actually a suspect for much of this episode Mm -hmm. that they're trying to locate, and it turns out that she is a undercover police officer.
0: Correct, yes.
1: Uh, so the suspect that they thought uh, could be responsible for it turns out to be a police officer and one of the police officers Mm -hmm. that is the
0: best police officer on the force
1: is actually the killer the killer (laughs) Uh, and it's an incredibly well done nice little twist because Mm -hmm. in retrospect it makes perfect sense yeah And it does answer the classic locked room mystery, which is what this first episode is and what many of the episodes of Death in Paradise are. It does answer the classic locked room mystery with possibly the most logical answer. Yeah. Who's the person who could have killed him? The person who found him.
0: Oh, there you go, yeah. Yeah. Uh
1: And it makes total sense once you look back at it, but it's very well done. And it is by far, I think, the most humorous of the three. Oh, okay. Uh, It leans heavily into humor, especially when you get to Humphrey Goodman, uh, the second detective inspector for the series. Um, Richard Poole is more fish-out-of-water comedy and constantly hot and sweating and Mm -hmm. miserable. Humphrey Goodman will wear Hawaiian shirts and will wear... When, and he's incredibly clum, clumsy, and he it's hard for him to uh, uh, keep notes, so he writes on receipts and pieces of trash. Uh-huh. And the first time he goes to a crime scene, he falls out of a window.
0: Okay. Now, you had talked to me before about um, Death in Paradise and compared it to another uh, very iconic British uh, science fiction show. So why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yes.
1: So I compared it to Doctor Who because the show keeps running and all of the archetypes, the detective inspector, the detective sergeant, and the uh, the two regular uniformed officers that assist them, All those roles stay in place, but the actors who play them and the character names change. So I compared it to Doctor Who because the Doctor can regenerate and his companions leave and come back and forth and uh, can change in and out, but the show keeps running. And it's the same way with Death in Paradise. The detective inspector dies or retires or just leaves to go back to England and he's replaced by a new detective inspector who's quirky in his own unique way and has his own mannerisms. And then the cast around him also changes.
0: Okay, so you like have different companions.
1: Yes. So it's it's very much a show that constantly changes and yet stays completely the same, which I really enjoy. Um what are your thoughts on the show?
0: Oh, no, I, I enjoyed the show. I, I liked it. I, I have to admit out of all three, Father Brown is, is my favorite, but I would watch Death in Paradise again.
1: Yes. So I think that brings us to the end. Um, I have an outro for the podcast here. Uh, so thank you for joining us today. To talk about these british mystery shows i'd like to thank caroline for joining me thank tim. you tim oh, yes and i'd like to briefly mention a few other british mysteries currently available on hoopla uh things like queens of mystery agatha raisin vera foils war inspector morse uh marple and poirot the classic mm-hmm. agatha christie series uh, And then some non-British mysteries that fall into the same genre, Miss Fisher's Mysteries and Murdoch Mysteries. Um, The list goes on. Mm -hmm. There are many others on Hoopla, Uh, So there's guaranteed guaranteed to be a mystery for you. Uh, Thank you again for joining us.
0: Yes, and um, remember that uh, we have a few things going on at the library. You can still um, use our curbside pickup service, and we've also started Pop In and Pick Up. So if you'd like to come into the library, uh, please go to our website and see what times that our libraries are open.
1: Thank you very much for joining us.
0: Thank you for listening to Shelf Logic. Make sure to hit subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Follow us on social media where we are at MCLDAZ.